This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is the Get Booked Podcast, a weekly show for personalized reading recommendations. This is episode 79, and we are recording on May 2nd. I'm Amanda Nelson, and I'm here with Jen Northington, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Yay! Yay. (laughs) The sun is out, and the birds are singing. It's May! It's nice. nice. I know, I agree. (laughs) I feel like April is not the cruelest month. What is that from? Is that T.S. Eliot? Eliot was incorrect. February is the cruelest month. February is disgusting. Um, But I am happy to be out of April. May is better. April was weird. I did not appreciate April's weather choices. Let's just say. Get your life together, April. It was like one day it would be 70, and then the next day it would be 40, and then the next day after that it would rain and be like 60, and it was very confusing. I don't know what clothes yeah, I to pack no away. I did not know how to dress myself at all in April. <laughs> We're good at adulting. Oh, yeah, super good. <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. If you are new to the podcast, this is, like I said, a show for personalized reading recommendations. So if you have reading recommendation requests for any reason or subject matter, maybe for your book club or a gift you want to give someone or... You read something that you loved and want something that's similar to it. You can send any and all of those requests to us. You can email them to us at getbooked@bookriot.com, or you can drop them in the form at the bottom of the show notes on the site. Uh, if your question is time sensitive, please note it in the subject line or at the very top of your post so that we can try to get to it on time. Uh, we do email respond uh, or respond via email to some questions. If we've answered a similar question on the show before or your question is time sensitive and we don't think we're going to get to it in time, then we'll email you back. Um, and we have started doing posts on the site because there's some, y'all, you guys have some specific, like specific questions <laughs> that sometimes Jen and I are like, <laughs> confusing puppy noise. So we take those to the contributors and they work their magic because there's, you know, like 170 of them now. So between, with our powers combined, we will find you something to read. Um, so we're putting some of those questions that are just too specific for Jen and I to handle uh, up to the contributors, turning them into posts and putting them on the site. So keep an eye out for those also. Okay, that is our, um, what you call it, housekeeping. So we will get with our get to our first question, read our first sponsor, and away we will go. Alrighty, so the first question is from Haley, who says, I'm looking for books that will help me find the motivation to step out of my quote-unquote indoor person comfort zone. I've been making steps to be a healthier person, and with that, I've been having more urges to get outside and reap the benefits of sunshine and connecting with nature. I'd love a book that talks about the benefits of getting outside more. I'd love something similar to Wild or a travel memoir, but fiction works too. Well, this is a good time of year to be getting more outside. I'm pretty sure your question is old, but anyway, now that it's nice out again, um, we will give you some options. But first, uh, we're going to do our first sponsor, which is us. It's Book Riot Insiders, Jess Hands. <laughs> so many Jess Hands. Uh, so if you have not been hearing about it, Insiders is our new exclusive content site for subscribers. Uh, You can sign up at, well, there's two levels now because the third one sold out, which is amazing. Um, But you can sign up at Short Story or Epic because, of course, we named them after books. And um, you can get all kinds of perks, including a special deal to the Book Riot store. There's a a behind-the-scenes newsletter that's written by staff um, and has all kinds of, like, 
you know, details that you wouldn't know if you weren't getting the newsletter. Uh, so if you've ever wondered what a day in the life of Amanda looks like, for example, you'll <laughs> find out. Um, and we also have the Super Magic New Release Index, which has is a curated list of upcoming books uh, that has all of the shiny covers, and you can build a watch list to keep track of the ones that you're excited about, and it's sortable by genre, and it's just, like, too much good in one place. It's amazing. So you can find out all the details at bookriot.com slash podcastinsiders. Uh, go forth and check it out. There's no cap on people who can access the new release index. So, like, get you to it. It is great. Okay. All right. So, Amanda, you want to give a first nature sure. book rec? Um, <clears throat> I'm, like, really bad at outside in general. <laughs> so I... Like, picked a book that is very much about the outside and will probably make you want to go for many walks, but also has some snark to it, because I need that in my life uh, with this topic. So I picked A Walk in the Woods, Rediscovering America on the Appalachian Trail by Bill Bryson. Um, Bill Bryson is just the grouchiest, and I love it so intensely. Um, so the Appal- A Walk in the Woods is... Uh, it's about his adventures on the Appalachian Trail, which, if you're unfamiliar, it's a hiking trail that spans the entire, almost like the entire East Coast. It runs from Georgia all the way up to Maine, um, through like the Appalachian Mountains, hence the name, obviously, um, and through forests and lakes. And it's it's really pretty. It's like an hour from my house. It's very nice. And so he decides he's going to walk the Appalachian Trail, uh, despite the fact that he really doesn't have any experience hiking, but he's going to, like, walk 3,000 miles, because sure, that'll be fun, why not? So it has that kind of wild, you know, Cheryl Strayed thing going on, except Bill Bryson is not in the middle of any sort of life crisis, he's just doing it, like, out of curiosity. And so that he's not alone, he takes his best friend from high school with him, who also does not have any experience hiking, um, and they bumble their way through, uh, the woods and like encounters with bears and he interweaves this like hilarious account of these two men who have not really spoken to each other for like 30 years who are now stuck together in the middle of nowhere for months he so he weaves all of that together with like really interesting history uh of the appalachian trail and like ecological facts about nature and in um the different zones of the trail because obviously since it goes from georgia to maine there's a lot of different climates that you'll encounter and like micro weather and all this really fascinating stuff um and so yeah I, it like does give it does give me a little bit of a desire to go outside but like with you know cursing <laughs> so if if you are just now getting into wanting to be an outdoorsy sort of person i feel like this would maybe be up your alley because it's like fine i'll go outside with some history. <laughs> so that's A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson. Yeah. Amanda hates majesty, in case you didn't know. I, <laughs> look, look. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I am an outside fan. Um, yeah, even though, you know, some of the parts of being outside squick me out, like bugs are just the worst, can I say. <laughs> but I do love outside. Um, and the book I'm recommending to you is Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard, which is a little bit similar to Wild in that she does get, she digs into like the spirituality of being in nature, but she also is not going through a life crisis. Instead, she's, she's a very talented writer and she lives in this very um, nature-y neighborhood uh, called Tinker Creek 
Creek in Virginia, and she's near a creek. Obviously, it's in the title. Um, how many times can I say the word creek? And uh, and so she goes down and, you know, watches the nature happen. Like, she thinks about the way that the water is moving, and she watches the butterfly migration, and she, you know, looks at pond water under a microscope. Um, so it's not really an adventure book. It's more about, like, looking at the nature that's in your own backyard and interacting with it in ways that may inspire you. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a quiet book. It's a very beautifully written book. Um, it's very much about how we think about nature and how nature provokes certain emotions in us. Um, and I just love it. I think it's great. Um, and if you're not able to like get to a national park or like take a walk on the Appalachian Trail, this is a nice way to think about how to find the nature that's near to you. So that's Pilgrim at Tinker Creek by Annie Dillard. I love that Ugh. book. There's like a section I don't know it's not like a chapter but there's a section where she like meditates on a mosquito sitting on a rattlesnake for like 20 pages and it's just fascinating and who can make that interesting Annie Dillard Annie Dillard can do it Annie Dillard is Tinker Creek like do you know where that is I think I did when I read the book last year because I looked it up it's Mm. like somewhere in central Virginia but I'm not exactly sure it's like is it Um, near you can you go visit (laughs) I'm sure I could I mean yeah just saying field trip (laughs) <laughs> to go sit like watching snakes <laughs> okay all right uh moving on from snakes question two is from tracy who says um i'm a huge fan of oddly formatted books books with unique points of view books written in letter or journal form i loved house of leaves dracula the grinzy literary and potato peel pie society and a little something different this is probably an odd request because the subject matter or genre matters less to me than the format and the point of view um, okay, so I picked The Winter People by Jennifer McMahon. Mc, McMahon? Ooh, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, um, which is a mystery thriller horror kind of book that takes place in Vermont, and it jumps back and forth between the early 1900s, like 1910, and present day. And so this little town in Vermont is weird. Like, people are constantly missing that well not constantly but enough that it's like why it, you know jessica fletcher style like why are there so many dead people in this random new england town in the middle of nowhere uh, people go missing there's like old legends about monsters that stalk the woods and all of this sort of thing and so in the present day the main character's name is ruthie she's a 19 year old girl she lives with her mother uh in a farmhouse her mother uh well her parents have always insisted that like the family lives off the grid which like, fine, they're hippies or whatever, but it proves to be sort of problematic when Ruthie comes home one day and her mother is gone. She's, like, vanished with no trace. Um, and she's bit, she, like, stays missing for a couple of days. And in her search to figure out, like, what happened to her mom, while she's also taking care of her younger sister, um, Sarah find, or uh, Ruthie finds a copy of an old diary hidden beneath the floorboards of her mother's bedroom. And in the bedroom, the closet is also has also been boarded up. So, like, something weird is going on. She finds a gun, I think, and then this diary. And so then you go back and forth between Ruthie trying to figure out where her mom is and then the actual diary entries. And the diary entries are for a woman, from a woman named Sarah who uh, was found dead in that farmhouse in the yard in the early 1900s just a few months after her daughter also died. So you're trying to figure out what happened to Sarah, and um, she's found, like, skinned. Like, it's kind of gross. Um, and then also, what has happened to Ruthie's mom? And you go back and forth between the diary entries and modern uh, modern times. So there's, like, a lot going on. Um, it's not just the mystery of where do these women go, but also the mystery of, like, WTF is up with this town. And it's just creepy and eerie. And <laughs> So, yeah. So that's The Winter People by Jennifer McMahon. McMahon? I don't know. I know a gym teacher who pronounced it McMahon, but 
I don't. That could also be weird. Uh, that could be. Yeah, yeah sure. All right. That book is so eerie. Cosine oh, the eerie factory. Oh. I'm a little squeaky. Um, okay. <laughs> so my pick for you is a visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan, which is great. It's just a great book. Um, it is a bunch of different narrators all tied together by little weird intersections um and it moves back and forth in time a bunch like I think there's a section that's kind of in the 70s and there's also a section that's slightly in the future and part of the what's cool about this book is the way that the characters show up in and out of each other's lives but the other part that's cool is that because there are so many different narrators every chapter is a slightly different style and there's one that's a powerpoint presentation put together by a teenager for a school project which you wouldn't think would work you're like this is dumb and gimmicky but actually it's great um it's really I really loved it anyway I thought it was amazing uh there's not a lot of it's a lot of like people being people-y it's a lot of you know everyday mundane problems but there's like drugs and people sleeping with the wrong people and somebody kind of losing their mind and going through a thing and um the characters are really compelling is the word I want. So, and then the format is really interesting. So I think that would definitely fit your interests. So that's A Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan. Okay, next question is from Diana, who says, my dad, oh, it's for her dad's birthday, which is July 7th. My dad has never been a big reader, but since he's become semi-retired from engineering, he started reading again on a Kindle and asking for recommendations. In the past, he's stuck to fast-paced suspense or thrillers, and Michael Crichton is his favorite author. He was crushed when he passed away. He also recently started the Outlander series. I love dads who love Outlander. It's amazing. It's so good. So good. Um, so he's loving that. He said he enjoys the detailed history and research in each book. If you could please help me with smart historical fiction or science-y books available on Kindle, uh, P.S. He has read and loved The Martian. Like, Dads Who Love Outlander is a whole subsection of dads, and they're my favorite dads. <laughs> and those are my they're favorite my dads. my favorite dads. I'm just going to keep talking. So, for your dad, who likes detailed history and research, I am recommending Sea of Poppies by Amitav Ghosh, which is the first in a trilogy. So, he, there's more if he likes the first one. Um, and it is about a, a ship um, called the Ibis, who is a trading ship um, going across the Indian Ocean right before the opium wars break out in China. So there's like colonialism and there's East versus West and there's there's both Indians and Westerners on board the ship. Uh, and, and so they all have to like figure out what is happening to them and what like what happens next. Um, there are a bunch of like really cool sections that are both on the boat and on land. So you get all of these different like sort of they're not really vignettes because they are all woven together, but you get a lot of different environments. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and you get a lot of different characters and you see a lot of history from the viewpoint of these characters. And it's not a history I knew a lot about. So I found it super interesting. Um, and I thought the characters were all really well drawn. And again, there are three books and it's like 500 plus pages each. So we'll keep him busy for a little while. Uh, so that is Sea of Poppies, which is the first in the Ibis trilogy by Amitav Ghosh. Okay, I picked a book that I'm actually in the middle of listening to on audio and really loving. It's called The Wanderers. Ooh. It's by Meg Howard. I have feelings about this book. So many good feelings. Oh, no. no, no, good. But also, like, oh, okay, the ending good. is a bit of a big question mark. Just saying. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm halfway through it. So, la. Um, 
But I picked this because of the the Martian Rhea Long thing, and also because all the characters, all the main, the three main characters in the book, the three astronauts are are engineers. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. So this is about three astronauts: uh, Helen, Yoshi, and Sergey, who are working with a private space company called Prime Space uh, to send the first team of humans to Mars. And so in the book, they are doing a simulation um, called Idolin, where the three astronauts are are in like a simulated space trip, basically, um, to prepare them for the actual thing. So the book is the three of them existing on this really, this very realistic simulation of the, of the flight to Mars, um, like, so they can, you know, predict problems and make sure the three of them work well together. And so you follow them while they're doing that on the spaceship. And then also their immediate family members who are trying to cope with their absence. Um, and so, I think it's it's a good what Martians read alike all, because of the subject matter, obviously. But um, it's not as funny, but it is very sciencey. Like you get a lot of them trying to fix broken stuff on on the spaceship, and also um, good doses of like what training is like when you're an astronaut training to go to Mars, and like the things that you have to consider when you're sending people to Mars. Like your clothes need to be biodegradable, and like what do you do with astronaut poop, and like that kind of stuff. Um, and then the three of them. Since there's a great line in the book about like, if you're sending 12 people to Mars, you can send a physicist and a geologist. But if you're sending three people to Mars, they have to all be engineers um, because they have to be able to fix literally everything on the, on the flight. So they're, they're all, um, every, all the characters are very different people, all from different cultural backgrounds, but they're all engineers. So I thought your dad would find something to relate to. So that's The Wanderers by Meg Howery. And Jane, you're going to have to tell me your feelings about it when yeah. we get off the phone. <laughs> I, okay. I, they're good feelings. I just have a lot okay. of them. <laughs> okay. I'm really enjoying it's it. It's so good. It's so good. Yeah. And the science stuff is great. Like, the science stuff is really good. It's you. <sighs> oh. Oh, yes. Woo. Hey. Oh, no. I lost my agenda. Okay. Question four is from Allison. I'm going on a trip this June and would love recommendations. I'm going to Iceland and would love Rex to get me in the spirit, either set in Iceland or related to Iceland or Vikings. I've never read anything about Vikings, uh, so if there's something good, that would be awesome. I read The Flight of Gemma Hardy a few years ago, which is a Jane Eyre adaptation set in Iceland, and I've been thinking about the place ever since. I love Austin and the Brontes, magical realism, lighter sci-fi fantasy, and literary fiction. Okay, Jen. you go Okay. I was just glad I got to this question before, Amanda, because I have one recommendation, <laughs> and it is Burial Rites by Hannah Kent, and it is a, it like, it's kind of literary fiction and a little bit mystery, so it's about the last woman to be executed in Iceland, which happened in 1829, like, this is a real human who Hannah Kent has written a novel about, and the sort of author backstories that she studied in Iceland, and I think this was like part of her studies, was researching this woman's life. Um, So there's a lot of good, detail-y, research-y background to it. And so the woman's name is Agnes, and she is charged with murdering her former master. And in Iceland, they didn't have prisons, so instead you would send the convicted person to a farm to be like sort of chaperoned by the people who lived on the farm until it was time to be executed. So she gets sent to this farm, which the, the, you know, the mother of the family who run the farm is like horrified and really not happy about. She's got daughters and she's like, oh, this murderess is going to, you know, influence my daughters. Everything's terrible. Um, but Agnes and Agnes is really just like, like she knows she's going to die. And there's this sort of mystery surrounding 
like, did she actually do it? And if she did it, why did she do it? Um, so you get this sort of slow unfolding of Agnes sort of learning how to coexist with this family and then also what her life was like that led her to this point um, through the moment like when they're like, okay, we're coming to get you and we're going to chop your head off. Um, so it's pretty intense. Um, I thought it was really well paced. There's like a good flip flop back and forth between the current stuff and her personal history. And there's a lot of interesting characters, and it definitely feels like you're there on this farmstead, uh, you know, with the family, smelling all the smells and seeing all the things and all of that good stuff. So that's Burial Rites by Hannah Kent. Okay. I realized when this question uh, came in that I have nothing. Like, I've not read, I don't know that I've read any books set in Iceland, um, at all, which is sad because it seems like a really cool place. So I took this to the contributors. Um, and Kim Okura, who is our contributor who writes our nonfiction newsletter, True Story, recommended The Tricking of Freya by Christina Sunley, which is not nonfiction. Um, it is a novel. It's a debut novel. And it's about a, a girl named Freya who grows up in like a normal kind of, you know, American suburbia sort of thing. But then every summer she goes to Gimli, which is a tiny little village in Canada that was, is like completely settled by Icelandic immigrants. And so it's kind of called New Iceland. And she goes there and visits her Aunt Bertie and the rest of her family. Um, her aunt is deeply troubled, but very charming at the same time. And like, you know, intoxicates her with stories of like exotic Norse goddesses and, and Viking poetry and, and what life was like. Um, in Iceland and, you know, with life stories about her grandfather, who was a poet. Um, but then Bertie tricks Freya into this, into doing something terrifying and terrible and an ensuing scandal uh, occurs. And so Freya turns her back on everything that has to do with her family, with Gimli, with Iceland, uh, all of it. And so present day, she's living a really kind of boring life in Manhattan. She goes back to Gimli for the first time in 20 years. And um, while she's there trying to, like, rediscover herself, stumbles upon a really um, long-concealed family secret that I'm not going to tell you about because of spoilers. And so while she's trying to unravel what's going on with the secret and her family story, she goes back to Iceland to kind of find the clues. So it's a multi-generational saga that starts in the U.S. and then kind of moves like backwards in time almost, take, going back um, through Freya's family back to Iceland. So you're getting a lot of like mythology and Icelandic history, um, a lot about the language, and that's really neat. Um, so that's The Tricking of Freya by Christina Sunley. Okay. Next <clears throat> question is from Thelma, who says, I just read two great books about books, and I really want to read more books about books. The two I read are People of the Book by Geraldine Brooks and The Missing Manuscript of Jane Austen by Siri James. I really love the historical connection. I've read all of the Jane Austen novels. I've also read a few of Geraldine Brooks's, uh, including March and Years of, Year of Wonders. Both great, especially March. I love the connection to Little Women. All right. I do not have an Austin or Little Women connection for you, but I have I have two things. I have the 100 must-read post of books about books. So there's 100, literally 100, um, that you can pick from to keep going. And then my recommendation for you is An Unnecessary Woman by Rabia Alamadine, um, which it takes place in Beirut. And it's about a woman named Aaliyah who is a huge book lover. And she also, every year, she translates one of her favorite books into Arabic and then, like, stows it away. And she's been doing this for 37 years. Nobody's ever read any of her translations. Um, and she, uh, like, is just basically very solitary. Um, and you, in the course of the book, you start to find out, like, you know, what 
her life is like, like how she ended up, you know, alone in this, you know, apartment surrounded by books, translating them and never showing anyone. Um, and it also gives you a really interesting look at Beirut, um, both past and present. There's a lot of stuff about um, the Lebanese Civil War. Um, and there's also like some really lovely meditations about like being an aging woman and like, what is your life like? And then, of course, there is like the big turning plot point, which I won't tell you about. Um, so there's a lot of stuff going on, but it is deeply about loving books and and wanting to be part of the books that you read. So that's An Unnecessary Woman by Rebia Alvindine. Okay, my um, pick for you is not fiction. It is nonfiction. It's called Ex Libris, Confessions of a Common Reader. It's by Anne Fadiman. And this is just the like most adorable book about books ever. And I feel like if this is a genre that you're into... Um, and this is like a must read. So it's, it's short. It's like 160 pages and it's just a collection of essays from Anne about living a life in books. So for example, like how she learned about sex was by stumbling upon her parents' copy of Fanny Hill, which is oh some my kind gosh. of way I know to learn, <laughs> well, about, okay. to learn about sex. <laughs> yes. Um, as like, as a kid. Um, and then, um, there's a really sweet essay about how her, her husband, who is also a reader, um, they were married for a while, but had never merged their bookshelves. And so they like finally decided after being married for like five years to merge their bookshelves. Um, and that was when she finally considered them to be like actually married. Like she hadn't committed for real to the relationship until her books were all mixed in with his, like their lives. She didn't consider their lives actually combined. It's just a really thoughtful um, and interesting look at, at, at both marriage and, um, you know, the love of books. It is a little old fashioned in as much as like she, you get the impression that Anne Fadiman is deeply not here for eBooks. <laughs> um, and she is, uh, very much here for used books and dusty used bookstores and the book as an, as a sacred object. Um, she's also got a chapter or an essay about, um, like, being kind of a, 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 a grammar pusher. It's a little, it can, it's like, could be obnoxious if she weren't so charming, um, her kind of technophobia, uh, but it is charming. It's, it's, I don't know. It is validating, I guess, as a, as a, as a reader to, um, read a published book from somebody who is not an academic, like she's not, an English professor. She's not uh, in the like publishing. She doesn't work for Random House or whatever. She just is like a person who really love bo- loves books and whose life has been shaped by them. Um, and I think that a lot of us can relate to that. So that's Ex Libris, Confessions of a Common Reader by Anne Fadiman. Okie dokie. Um, question six is from Catherine. Um, she says, I've read some great books since I've started listening to the podcast, but I've had trouble with sci-fi. I love genre fiction, but have found it hard to stray from fantasy and comics. I've been reading fantasy since the first Harry Potter was released, and Neil Gaiman is my favorite author. I love sci-fi TV and movies, but the books I'm recommended always seem too lore-heavy and intimidating, and I don't know where to start. I've just recently started The Girl with All the Gifts and realized there may be a whole... Gifts. Did I say gifts? (laughs) (laughs) That's a different book. Speaking of things Anne Fadiman would yeah. hate. Okay. Um, I've recently started The Girl with All the Gifts, Gifts, Presents, and realized there may, or may be a whole world of sci fi I'm missing. Any recommendations of science fiction that is more character focused? Okay. Um, I picked Ascension by Jacqueline Koyanagi, and I, I get what you're saying. Like, some science fiction can be very difficult to get into, especially if the author just drops you, like, right into the 
a new universe with new rules and, and words for things that you don't understand and you have to familiarize yourself with the universe. Um, but it's really, I feel like that process isn't that different from fantasy. So if you are into fantasy, um, I think that this book is a good starting place because the universe is different. Like the world of Ascension is different, but it's not so far removed from our own um, that it confuses you. So the main character's name is Alana. She lives uh, in a, uh, a place called Heliodor City uh, where she works as what they call a sky surgeon. She's essentially like a mechanic for spaceships. Um, she's very poor. She lives with her aunt and she, her and her aunt both have a chronic illness. Um, and so that is keeping her poor, like paying for the treatment. And, um, she's kind of desperate to get off of this planet and go explore, you know, the great unknown, um, the universe basically, she calls it the silence. Uh, and so one day a, a cargo vessel stops, um, in her, shipyard and she thinks it's somebody coming looking to hire her so she gets excited but it turns out that the crew is looking for her sister nova who is like a spirit guide um and they don't want her they don't want anything to do with her so alana stows away on the ship she like hides in a box um so that she can get off this planet and also she wants to know what they want with her sister she's obviously like worried about her sister um and then when the crew discovers her cave shenanigans ensue because she wants to stay on the ship and work like her dream in life is to be um you know, a sky surgeon on an actual ship that's in space. Um, and so the crew uses her desire to do that as a way to like blackmail her sister into doing what they want. And then there's like all this political shenanigans all the while she's dealing with the fact that she's super attracted to the captain, Tev, who's like this beautiful blonde woman. Um, but is like attracted to her, but also she's being kidnapped. So like complicated feelings. Um, and she also has to deal with her illness, which she, and she's like running out of medication the longer she stays on this ship. So there's a lot going on, um, and it is very character driven. Like the book is about the relationships between the characters, and is not necessarily about like space and physics and terms I don't understand. Although that stuff is happening, but it's in a way that is, uh, I think, very immersive but also easy to follow. So that's Ascension by Jacqueline Koyanagi. I do love that book. Okay, so my <laughs> recommendation to you is The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers, which I have not recommended even once this year. So if you're a long-time listener, you'll recognize it. But it's been, like, at least five months, so I feel okay about this. Um, so this, I love Becky Chambers, and this is the first book in the Wayfarers series, of which there are now two out. And it is about a crew on a spaceship, as much sci-fi is. Um, but what I think will really work for you about this one is that our entry into the story is through this young woman who has lived like planet side um, and is taking a job on a spaceship for the first time ever and she's just basically like a, a paperwork filler outer like she's gonna be secretary on this spaceship <laughs> and she doesn't know anything about like you know engineering or really any of that jazz like she just has some you know skills, some administrative skills, and she's coming on board to use them to help out the captain. And the captain, the what the crew does is they, they make holes in space, like they make wormholes, um, which is a construction job in this universe. And so they, but it's like a highly skilled job. So they go and they make wormholes that make travel across vast distances much easier. So there is, like, an actual plot to this book. They get hired for this job that's, like, maybe a little bit shady. And it turns out there are all kind of political shenanigans surrounding this job. But most of the book is them on the way to the job getting to know each other. And the characters are so good. Like, oh, I want to be on the ship with these people, having their adventures, like, being buds with them. Um, and there's several 
interspecies romances, for lack of a better word. Like, there's, there's like, aliens and people falling in love with other aliens and other people. Um, and that's very adorable and fun in, in this, in this uh, space. There also, so there's romance and there's friendship and then there's, like, the political hijinks and action-packed stuff as well. But it's very much about the characters and their relationships to each other, and I just loved it. And the second book is called A Closed in Common Orbit, and it is also excellent. So that's Becky Chambers, The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. And the next question is me. Okay, this is from Callie, who says, Recently I was assigned a business-type book to read at work, Creativity Inc. by Ed Catmull. While the story of Pixar was interesting, the first female mentioned in the book was Jessie the Cowgirl from Toy Story 2, almost halfway through. Oh boy. Do you have any recommendations for this same type of book that are either by women or feature women? Oh, Callie, welcome. We have some for you. Um, I'm just going to keep going. Uh, so we, oh no, wait, I have to, you, let's, you go, you go. I'll stop. Okay. Um, okay. My first, uh, my pick for you is Radical Candor by Kim Malone Scott, which I love. I just finished it. Um, well, just, like at the beginning of the month, I listened to it on audio, which it's a great audiobook. Um, so the subtitle for this is be a kick-ass boss without losing your humanity. And Kim Scott is, um, was working at Google. She was a manager at Google, like for their, their AdSense arm and then she left google to work at apple so i think if anybody's writing a book comparable to like a pixar ceo a ceo or a um a high-ranking executive who worked at both google and apple is probably um the thing that you're looking for so the premise of this book is that when you're working um and you have anybody that you're responsible for like if you're a boss in any kind of capacity or you have a team that you're trying to run or you're like the product project manager for something um, and you have people who are helping you or reporting to you, um, we too often fall into this camp of being like obnoxiously aggressive and not treating our um, employees as human beings. Or we go to the other side and do this thing she calls ruinous, ruinous empathy, um, where we basically let them off the hook for not doing their jobs right because we want to be their friends. So she's the, uh, radical candor is kind of her... Um, middle of the road, or it's a management technique that she's talking about based on not falling into either of those camps, but like how to treat your employees like they're people and show that you actually care about them like as humans, but also encourage them to, uh, and create an environment where they can do their best work for you and recognizing when they're no longer doing those things and what to do about it and all that stuff. So it's kind of a guide to not just management, but uh, working in, uh, in any way that has to do with having people report to you. Uh, effectively and um, kindly, I guess. And the thing that I like about this is she does not ignore the fact that she was a female executive at Google and Apple, which are very, you know, I mean, Silicon Valley is very male dominated. And she talks a lot about both um, feminism and working as a woman and like the different ways that women who are both reporting to men and women who have, who are working with women, um, the different challenges and struggles they face. Um, she also ad addresses racial diversity, which is helpful um, and not a thing that any that was in Creativity Inc. at all, which I did read. Um, and I enjoyed, but yeah, it's like that's a big blind spot in a lot of business books um, is how to address those kinds of both conscious, both conscious and unconscious biases that some of your employees can face. So that's Radical Candor by Kim Malone Scott. Cosine. Although mm -hmm. I did feel like she was a little jumbled in the gender section. Like I hit that oh, not yeah. too long ago. Yeah. And she was like, gender politics are bad. And then she was like, 
she said we should stop doing them and then she went into how real they are so it's like okay yeah. well I agree they are bad and it would be nice if they went away but also like they are real anyway it was interesting um but that book is great um I, my recommendation for you is kind of more on the self-improvement side but it has direct applications to business and she talks about being a business owner in it so I'm recommending Rising Strong by Brene Brown uh she like her career really blossomed after she gave this TED talk about the of vulnerability um and she this is her i want to say third or fourth book um but it is about falling excuse me oh. <laughs> sorry that's sorry. okay um i didn't get to the new button in time. are you are you scoffing mm. you're just sneezing oh, no i just sneezed i'm sorry no it's, no, it's, okay. No, it's okay it's okay i'm teasing you so yeah so she this is about how like when you try to be vulnerable and you dare to do things that you're maybe not sure you can do sometimes you will fail um, and then it's like okay so how do you get back up and move forward and so each chapter is like a different kind of take on what it what failure can look like and how to move forward from it um, and she does some of it is business related like she talks a lot about her own company and how she uses these principles in for example business meetings which I thought was super interesting and then some of it is very personal like how, dealing with family or dealing with you know being a parent or you know in a relationship so there's a range of examples um, some of which are more on the business side and some of which are more on the personal side but I find her work super interesting she's a social worker um, who did a lot of research around shame with people when when she was first starting her career and has like all of her stuff has grown out of that research. So that's Rising Strong by Brene Brown. Okay. Our last question is from Kenny who says, my girlfriend loved your show and suggested I listen and uh, write a request since I'm a very picky reader. I love to read, but find myself struggling to find books I enjoy. I really like Paul Alster. My favorite books include Modern Romance by Aziz Ansari, The Book Thief by Marco Suzak, and Native Son by Richard Wright. I also enjoy comedy writing like I Suck at Girls by Justin Halpern and Me and Earl and the Dying Girl by Jesse Andrews. Can you help? We can help. And may I just make a perhaps overly aggressive suggestion that you read some books by ladies because every book that you have mentioned that you love is by a dude and I just wanted to point that out okay so my suggestion for you is 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 everyone hanging out hanging out without me oh my gosh speaking is a thing that I can do <laughs> is everyone hanging out without me by Mindy Kaling and I picked this because of um because you said you like comedy writing and because you like the Aziz Ansari and I feel like they have a lot of similarities um and like their comedic timing is really similar I might be making this up but I feel like they are and therefore it is true um so this is a collection of I guess essays would you call it uh where every yeah, yeah they're essays yeah yeah. So like every chapter is uh, Mindy talking about a different aspect of her life from like growing up as a, a chubby kid and being afraid of like getting on her bicycle to, you know, being in L.A. now and uh, going to parties. And like the thing that you what does she call it? The Irish exit where she like tries to sneak yes, out of parties right? without, so without like letting anybody know that she's leaving so she doesn't have to talk to anybody. Um, and uh, there's another great essay about uh, she's like a photo shoot. Um, as a successful, you know, comedy writer now, and she's at a photo shoot um, and really wants to get into like this one particular dress that she won't fit into, um, but she doesn't want 
to like get into the dresses that they brought her, you know, for like quote unquote someone her size and like the things that she says to like get the dress that she wants. It's just so good. It's hilarious and funny. And if you're at all interested in like what goes on behind the scenes uh, in the lives of comedy writers and like what their life is actually like, this is a really great pick. And it's actually like super different from what I envisioned. In my head, comedy writing is like you're around a table with a bunch of other people like bouncing ideas off each other. And in reality, it's a lot of like writing on your sofa in your pajamas, which I did not realize. Um, so it's super funny. Um, and if you are into audiobooks at all, she reads the audiobook and her. I, I really think that like these kind of books that are written by comedians like the Aziz Ansari and like Tina Fey's book and Amy Poehler's book and Mindy's um, are just best adjusted via audio because they nail their own jokes so well, like their own inflection. They know how it should sound. And I think it just really adds a lot to the experience. So that's, is everyone hanging out without me by Mindy Kaling. All right. I picked a novel for you. You said you liked Paul Auster and I was thinking about New Yorkie books. And this book is one I read last year and loved. It's Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbue. And it is about two Cameroonian immigrants who live in Harlem, um, Jende and Nenny, and they have a six-year-old son. And it takes place in 2007, so right before the big Wall Street crash. Um, And Jende lands a job as a driver for this executive at Lehman Brothers. And so he's like super excited and he's just the personal driver. So he drives, you know, the executive, he drives the wife, he drives the son. Um, And then the wife of the executive offers Nenny temporary work at their summer home in the Hamptons. So like they're finally starting to make a bunch of money and settle into America. But in the meantime... Jende is is still he's applying for asylum and he is he thinks he's going to get his visa but there's like it's not a done deal so there's a lot of tension over whether or not they're actually going to be able to stay when in the meantime they're like all of their lives are organized around staying. And then, of course, the crash is coming. And so, like, the family is suddenly, you know, thrown into, the white family is thrown into turmoil. Um, And in the meantime, their marriage is falling apart, and there's all of these different things going on. Um, And it's really very much about how these two families' lives become intertwined, and, like, also being in the city from these two very different perspectives. Uh, So it's a really good look at New York, especially during that, like, you know, late 2000s time period. Um, And the characters are so well done, and the writing is beautiful. Like, it's just a great, it's a great book. So that's Behold the Dreamers by Mbolo Mbue. And that's our show. And that's our show. It's you. Woo! Yay! Yahoo! Um, so thank you so much, everybody, for listening. We would love it if you would leave a review or rate us on iTunes. It makes the show easier for other people to find. Thank you so much to our sponsors, which were us. What, what? what, what? Uh, you can find us on social media. I'm at I'm Amanda Nelson. Jen is at Jen IRL. Jen with two N's. And we will talk to you all next week. Bye.